Whenever I think about women collectively, I get a little buzz, a bit like when you hear the national anthem. So I was excited to be contributing to this celebration of women's achievements. And the first person I thought of in these terms was my mother, which led me to think about my seven siblings and the extreme messiness of our childhood, the jumble of objects clogging the stairs, the wires hanging from the ceilings and the buckets of soaking nappies. My mother gave birth to most of us in a room above the front door, a room we called the boudoir. And it's only now that I'm writing this that I'm thinking, what? We called a room in our house the boudoir. And anyway, shouldn't we have called it the delivery room? So when I was 10, I used to stand in the spot I was born in and think, if I stabbed myself now, I'd be one of the few people in history who'd been born and died in exactly the same place. Once she had had each baby, she was extremely casual about handing it round. She'd take it downstairs when it was a few days old and just leave it somewhere. When we were all at secondary school, my parents bought the dilapidated house next door as an investment. To fund the renovation, my mother felt the wisest plan would be to accommodate 24 Italian students from a convent in Rome. And this is the thing. When you're a kid, you don't question your parents' decisions. You think everybody you know is doing that kind of thing. So we prepped and painted all the bedrooms, and anything we couldn't decorate, we threw a blanket over. Then there was the mystery of the extra guests at the table, fragile strangers with shaky hands whom we associated with nervous breakdowns. And for convenience, that's what we called them. When setting the table, for example, we'd ask if there were any nervous breakdowns coming. And my mother would look up from peeling a potato and instead of saying how utterly callous and disrespectful, she'd say, no, not this evening. Though we learnt not to trust her on this. It took us a while to understand that she didn't know either. When we reached our teens and I guess early twenties, my mother started to look around her and discovered the house was absolutely disgusting. This was 1985, her elegant year. So she bought wallpaper with peonies the size of dustbin lids. We hung it for her and it did look weirdly great. She had the holes in the walls plastered over and acquired mirrors and vases and things started to look nice and also clean. So we began inviting friends over, people who'd assumed we didn't live anywhere. It got very crowded and we began serving supper in two sittings. When we grew up and moved away, she became a marriage guidance counsellor. She took in more students. She founded a catering company. Family supper became a weekly event. Parents and siblings, paying guests and nervous breakdowns, coming together on Sundays instead of weekdays. In 2014, she died. At her funeral, a journalist friend told me that she had written an article about her. In it were things that we hadn't known. That when a friend asked for a moment to talk, she'd drop everything and take them off for a walk. That for all her fierce energy, there was, at her core, a unique stillness which made her a gifted listener. And that for years, by arrangement with the parish, on certain evenings of the week, she would place a lit candle in the window a sign that her door was open to any friend or stranger who might feel the urge to come and join us. I think her accomplishments were the result of accumulated small acts and that this is why her friend wrote about her. For many women in previous generations, this was the path available to them, 
so only those who knew them well saw their achievements, and this didn't make them any less great 